over for a cake. Well, I would like to um, also welcome all of you here, and I hope you're getting as good a welcome as I have received in coming here tonight. Um, So I felt a really great feeling being back with a lot of the staff that I've known over the years here, and they made me feel really welcome, good, and... uh, we have a really special teaching team. You know, I have a real special feeling in the, my heart for everybody up here on the altar. Um, so I don't know if you know even me, some of you, but my name is Michelle. Hello. Welcome. And this is Rebecca Bradshaw on my left. And we've been teaching together a lot over the years, and... Um, Great teacher. And then Patricia Genoux on my right, your left. Uh, she is, uh, Rebecca's from Massachusetts. Patricia's came all the way from Switzerland to be with us. I also have taught um, some with Patricia, and I'm real happy to be back here with you teaching. And then Temple is assisting us. Temple uh, came from California and is uh, also a really, all of these. Friends up here are really good friends, and also uh, we know Temple as also a great teacher. So it's just really, we're lucky. How many people in the room, if you could raise your hands, haven't done a loving-kindness retreat before? Well, I think it's um, it's kind of like if you've ever planted a garden or gone into a garden, it's like we're going to be planting a loving-kindness garden. And it, it's you're, you're in for a special treat if you haven't done a loving-kindness retreat before. It's like um, we're cultivating a force field, like an energy field of love. And it's quite a remarkable and beautiful thing to do. There is a um, teacher named Bawa Mahayadin who said that the innermost heart is like a piece of flesh that does not die. So if you think of the innermost heart as something that um, doesn't die, what we're doing is tuning into that that deep wellspring of loving kindness, goodness, compassion. Um, and whether you think of it as, as kind of dropping into that loving kindness that's already there or cultivating it, you know, it's like um, to spend a whole week getting to... Um, receive 
loving kindness and wish that loving kindness to others. It truly is like a gift to the world. So this uh, teacher who said this um, quotation about the innermost heart said that human beings cannot and must not judge one another's innermost heart. Human beings cannot and must not judge one another's innermost heart. Only divine wisdom can do that. And one of the reasons that um, we choose to teach a loving-kindness retreat in this way, you know, the, the primary motivation is often to melt the resistance in our hearts to things as they are. So it, it's, it's, we often teach it as a love and wisdom practice, not just a love practice, but really um, you will hear us emphasize again and again that loving kindness is love with understanding. Um, So to be able to uh, tune into this love that is free of judgment, that doesn't mean it's free of discernment, but free of judgment, Uh, it helps melt, again, any resistance we have to the truth of how things are. So if you've done mindfulness practice before or other practices before, you might notice that it actually is difficult to be with things as they are. And the loving-kindness practice is meant to help soften the heart enough uh, so that we can actually be here with what's happening more fully, whether we're being here with impatience, tiredness, happiness, loving-kindness, aversion, you know, just it just the loving kindness practice actually helps us um, have this intention to understand rather than to judge our experience. So we teach mindfulness as this intention to understand rather than to judge experience. Uh, but often that's difficult to do if we don't have this tool of having access to the loving kindness practice. So any retreat, we're really cultivating um, or tuning into awareness. And if you think of awareness as the mother of intelligence, you know, you're really cultivating this mother of intelligence, tenderness, warmth, hospitality uh, to yourself and all beings. So I hope that we can begin the retreat with real intention to enjoy getting to know ourselves better, (laughs) understanding that if you get to know yourself better, you're going to get to know everyone better, including the owls outside, the crickets, um, your neighbor sitting in your room to your right here, your neighbor sitting in, in the room to your left. You might just peek at your neighbor right now those of you beside you, 
behind you, you know, you're really going to get to know each other. Every sneeze, (laughs) every movement, you know, how we walk into the hall. It's deep. It's beautiful. Walt Whitman um, was a great poet from America, and he said, I am larger than I thought. I did not think I held so much goodness. And I hope you feel like that at the end of this retreat, or at times during a retreat that you just couldn't even imagine that you held so much goodness. Or again, look at your neighbors in the room and see, like, can you imagine that your neighbor holds that much goodness? What is difficult for us is we often tend to judge behavior as who a person is rather than being able to tune into this innermost heart, the inner goodness that we're all worthy of tuning into. Um, so there'll be times when we're going along in this retreat where we'll you know, really resist the metta because we don't understand you know, what is goodness, what is worthiness. You know? So it, we're not expecting you or ourselves to understand that fully. You know, the loving-kindness Practice is a process where you keep relearning um, on a deeper and deeper level what love is. And if you think you know what it is, it might not be so helpful. You know, it's, it's like make, try to make space for more learning. I can offer you that um, the Buddha offered the loving-kindness Uh, as a form of protection. And we can go into the story of that more fully in another night. Um, But you can think of this as, in a way as calling in protection. Loving kindness gives us the ability to receive and give blessings. It helps us um, understand the truth of interconnectedness. So the intent is to feel less less alienated, less self-centered, more deeply connected with life. We're meant to see um, the possibility of living in a less separate way. There's a whole practice of forgiveness that we'll be teaching practice of gratitude, of joy, of compassion, and equanimity. So it's a pretty full practice. You know, when you, when you do an entry point into loving-kindness, it's meant to open up all of those things, joy, compassion, gratitude, forgiveness, wisdom. Thank <laughs> you.
I went to a um, conference last November of um, people bringing mindfulness into schools in sometimes more overt or subversive ways. And there's a woman who teaches mindfulness um, in kindergarten out in California. And she said that she tries to make the classroom a little bit dark, and then she brings out a flashlight. And she kind of asks the children to look at this flashlight, you know, as she's sort of making it go all over, you know, pointing it everywhere. Um, And she says, well, this is how our mind usually is. Pretty scattered. (laughs) And the loving-kindness practice is um, meant to help focus that flashlight so we're not as scattered. So when we start the loving-kindness practice and constructions tonight, tomorrow morning, you might start to notice that even if you have some resistance to it, that you will feel like that sense of being so scattered will start to um, gradually disappear at times. And there's a feeling of becoming more um, still, at ease, tranquil. So that is one of the goals of the practice, is to move from that kind of scatteredness to, to more ease of well-being, of stillness. And so we're, we're coming to that ease and stillness through our awareness of loving-kindness. So this is technically a mindfulness practice. We are practicing mindfulness of loving-kindness. And so some people will really separate these two practices, but they're not separable. They're, they're both mindfulness practices. The mindfulness practice as it's taught as mindfulness is mindfulness as our, of our moment-to-moment experience. But we are, we are cultivating mindfulness and we're cultivating mindfulness of loving-kindness. I know people are probably kind of tired, so I don't want to go too long tonight. Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to mention that you will hear a kind of paradoxical instruction over uh, the course of the days, and I would hope that it isn't too confusing. Uh, Meaning that we will really teach you both a more formless way to do the loving-kindness practice and a very um, technical, uh, with-form way of doing the loving-kindness. And the reason for that is that in the course of a day or an hour or five minutes, we tend to need both. Uh, So there'll be times when you'll hear me say, often at the beginning of a sitting, I'll be saying or we'll be saying, just... Just come to the present moment. You might put your hand on your heart center if you find it hard to kind of connect with your own heart. And just see if you can incline the intention toward loving kindness that's already there. So we're not trying to make loving kindness happen. It's really much more a sense of easing into the loving kindness that's already there. And when push comes to shove, if you feel like you're trying too hard or 
that you're forcing or, you know, that it's just all too much. Just, just try to trust <laughs> that it's there and that it's wordless. It's wordless, it's sweet, it's pure. In fact, it's always there. And the form is meant to help us drop into that. The form is meant over and over to to relax into that. Uh, And how we use that form is really unique to each of us. So in this practice, you will hear us over and over really give you permission to find your way with the form. If you're new to the practice, you will have to learn the form. And uh, just know that we will teach it as best we can for you to find your way with that form. And I really want to start with the sense that you know that this loving kindness is always there. The form is meant to be an entry point to that to that love, which is a truth. It's the truth. It's <laughs> love is a, is a truth. You'll also probably notice that we will, um, you know, start with ourselves or with someone we love. And initially, in terms of the form, we'll be going back and forth between someone we love, easy, not a lot of stuff coming up with us being, and then ourselves, someone else, ourselves, so that it starts relatively slow, simple, and then trusting that we will gradually add more and more um, people, other beings, um, you know, like friends, family, and <laughs> difficult people, enemies, you know, uh, crickets, dogs, Martians. You know, I mean, we bring, we bring in, we just bring in everybody to this practice eventually. So if you feel like, why are we doing just ourselves and this other person at the beginning? It's really to um, develop that one-pointedness, like the flashlight analogy. It's just to kind of really cultivate that ease and stillness, slowly and gradually. So I hope we all have a great, loving, interesting, challenging, wonderful time together this week. Just as a review, my name is Rebecca, and I'd also like to welcome you here for this Metta retreat. It's really such a beautiful offering to the world to come together for a week just dedicating ourselves to develop a loving heart, 
It's a beautiful gift to ourselves. It's a beautiful gift to our families and friends and our communities and this planet. So thank you for um, choosing to do this uh, service to the world. So tonight we are setting the um, tone for our retreat, preparing ourselves to enter into this um, commitment together to explore our hearts, to explore uh, the whole range of experience that will come up for us when we um, cultivate or touch the love in our hearts. In order to do this um, work, it's really helpful to have a container or a community of safety. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how we create that sense of safety for ourselves as a community as we move into the retreat together. There's a traditional way of doing this known as taking the refuges and the precepts. And this um, form, this is a form that has been practiced over um, hundreds of years as a way to help us focus our energies and to feel held while we're practicing, while we're doing this hard work together. So I'll just briefly uh, tell you a little bit about what the refuges and precepts are, and then Patricia will lead us in chanting them together. And I want to make it clear from the start that although this is a very Buddhist form, Taking the refuges and precepts doesn't necessarily make you a Buddhist. You can feel free to continue being a Christian or or Jewish or Muslim or whatever, Um, uh, just to make that clear. Sometimes people wonder about that. So the three refuges are the refuge of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So when we talk about the refuges, we're talking about some place that we're held a harbor. And when we talk about the refuge of the Buddha, some people connect with the historical Buddha, this figure behind us, um, a person who lived over 2,500 years ago who was completely committed to developing a heart of wisdom and compassion. Some people may not connect to the Buddha exactly as Um, an image of somebody who really represents this um, large, large heart. But perhaps there's other uh, historical people that you relate to, perhaps in your own religion, Jesus or Muhammad or um, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., somebody who inspires you um, to touch that place within yourself. When we take refuge in the Buddha, we are also taking refuge in our own Buddha-like nature. So we're taking refuge in this um, heart of love that Michelle was talking about that's already within us. You know, the spark is within us. And when we take refuge in it, we're um, recognizing our faith in that. And you all have that faith or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here if you didn't know that that's within you. 
So we can just take a moment to take refuge in the Buddha, whatever that means to us, in our own Buddha-like nature, in the historical Buddha or another enlightened being. Thank you. And then we take refuge in the Dharma. The Dharma is translated as the truth, the teachings, the path. So we're taking refuge in um, that there are teachings that can help us cultivate our Buddha nature, touch our Buddha nature. We're taking refuge in the fact that there is a path that we can walk and that this path has been walked by many people. And we're taking refuge in our own commitment to doing this work. So taking a moment to take refuge in the Dharma, the truth, the path that we walk. Thank you. And the third refuge is the refuge of the Sangha. And the Sangha is translated generally as the community of practitioners. So we're taking refuge in each other. We're taking refuge in the fact that when we sit together, um, the force field multiplies many times because of all the energy that each one of us put into it. And we know that when we come to the hall and we see other people sitting, we're energized to do the practice. With the Sangha, we're also taking refuge in centuries and centuries of others who have walked this path, in whatever tradition, walked this path of wisdom and love. We have all of that um, to support us. So taking refuge in the Sangha or community of those who cultivate love in our hearts, Thank you. So the three, those are the three refuges, or the triple gem. Then we have the five precepts, or five mindfulness trainings. These also, this ritual of taking the precepts is also one that goes back centuries. And the five mindfulness trainings, or precepts, are um, guideline to help us cultivate uh, non-harming in our actions. So when we are here developing metta in our hearts, are touching the metta within, fanning the embers of love in our hearts, obviously it makes sense that we want to live in a way that's non-harming, in a way that manifests that very quality that we're attempting to, to cultivate and develop. So the five mindfulness trainings are really a way of living the heart of metta, And they're a great way of practicing, translating our practice into actions. And so when we take these precepts on retreat, they're an essential part of cultivating the metta heart. So the five precepts, I'll go over them just briefly. The first precept is um, making the commitment to refrain from taking life or from harming life. This is a great time of year to practice this 
precept. <laughs> you do your walking meditation outside. You know, obviously we're not so worried about this on the gross level, but on more subtle levels, um, we often can be challenged with this precept around um, bugs and crawling things. Um, so we make, we take the commitment within our hearts to not kill or not harm any creature intentionally. And so if there's a spider in our room, we can, you're welcome to move it out of your room to take it outside, but we don't, um, we don't kill. It's really fun to practice this precept with um, the little insects. What we see is that to kill a mosquito hurts. Not only the mosquito, obviously, <laughs> but us too. It hurts our hearts. And so it's a practice. If you do find yourself accidentally without thinking about killing a bug, then how does that feel in your heart? We learn. It's a practice. The second mindfulness training, our precept, is to refrain from taking that which is not given. So on a gross level, that means to refrain from stealing. On a subtler level, it just means to take care with other people's property. So we take care not to move other people's things or use them without asking. Not you know, If there's somebody left shampoo in the shower, for example, we wouldn't use it. It's a way of expressing care for others by being careful with their things. It also can be extended further to just looking at how we use resources, how much food we take in the lunch line, for example, how we relate to things in this world with care. The third precept is to refrain from conduct um, that causes harm with our sexuality. So on retreat, we further simplified this by making the commitment to be celibate, to refrain from sexual activity while we're on retreat. This is so that we can use this energy um, for our practice and to help us understand also this energy, understanding the loving energy. The fourth precept is to refrain from telling lies or refrain from harmful speech. On retreat, we make this somewhat simple for you because we're not going to be talking very much. <laughs> um, but when there are opportunities to talk in the interview groups or if you ask questions, we can make the commitment to tell the truth. This creates safety for all. On retreat, we fuller, further refine this precept to um, what we call noble silence. So noble silence includes not talking to each other, but it also includes um, giving others a respectful space for their own um, solitude as they develop this practice so we don't consciously look at others. And often if we do find our eyes meet somebody else, we'll drop our eyes. We don't um, uh, tend to read and write other activity that would take you away from the central focus of developing metta. Now, this thing with noble silence, for some people, if you're new, it it's, it's, can feel difficult. Um, some people are, think it even it can feel like it's like um, 
even rude, but it's to understand that it's actually a gift we're giving each other. If you can understand it that way, sometimes it's easier to hold, that we're giving each other the gift of our own solitude and not having to um, go out and relate to others, but to be able to be with them ourselves. And all of the things around simplifying reading, writing, speech, and everything helps us develop that quiet and still mind. The last precept is to refrain from taking intoxicants that cloud the mind. So basically no uh, illegal drugs and alcohol. That would be kind of contrary to our purpose here to develop a clear and loving mind. If you are on prescription medication, we, we recommend that you continue with that so that doesn't fall under this precept. So these five precepts are areas where it's easy to cause suffering. It's easy to cause harm. And so they're um, brought out to the light as a place for us to pay attention and to be able to develop metta with our actions. And what we start to see is that they're not incidental to the practice, but they're um, integral to the practice, that they're the very heart of the practice, how we translate our loving heart into um, our actions in the world. So I hope you enjoy practicing the precepts. I find them um, a beautiful offering. They're an offering to ourselves because we find that as we keep the precepts, our, our minds and hearts are quieter, less turbulent, happier. And then obviously they're a gift to others as we offer uh, an atmosphere of safety and fearlessness to others when they know that we have a commitment to acting with integrity and in a way that is respectful. So thank you, and um, we will have Patricia lead us then in the refuges and precepts. So there's a sheet that um, you have the uh, refuges and the precepts. The first um, line here is a homage to the the Buddha, and this is repeated three times. So we'll do a call and response for that line, and then we'll chant the refuges together, and again a call and response for the precepts. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhasa 
Namo Arahato Sama Sambudasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambudasa Budang Saranang Gachami Damang Saranang Gachami Sangang saranang gachami, dutiyampi budang saranang gachami, dutiyampi damang saranang gachami, dutiyampi sangang saranang gachami. Tatiampi budang saranang gachami. Tatiampi damang saranang gachami. Tatiampi sangang saranang gachami. So I'll do a call and response here. Panati pata. Panati pata. Veramani, Veramani, Sikapadam, Sikapadam, Samadhyami, Adinadana, Veramani, Sikapadam, Samadhyami, Abramacharya Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Musawada Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Sura Meraya Majapamadatana Majapamadatana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Now the dedication Idam me silam, idam me silam, magapala nyanyasa, magapala nyanyasa, pachayo hotu, pachayo hotu. So we're going to do an extremely short um, guided meditation, but I'd like to ask you, if you'd like to, to just stand up and stretch, but it's not a, it's not a pee break, it's just to, um, <laughs> it's just to stand up and stretch, because it's really not going to be long. Uh, so please stand up if you'd like to.
So I'd like to ask you to just get in touch with your intention for being here, this retreat. And then your deepest wishes for yourself this lifetime. And just to take some time to receive, deeply receive your intention for being here and deeply receive your deepest wishes from yourself to yourself. And then to tune into the person in the room sitting to your right, or if no one's to your right, in front or behind you. Tuning into your neighbor's deepest wishes. You might not know them with words, but just understanding that your neighbor wants to be happy and peaceful and wishing them well. Receiving the wishes, the well wishes from the person to your left or in front or behind you. And then tuning into the person to your left, the feeling essence of this person, understanding that your neighbor has these very deep wishes. And just sending them or wishing them this is pure peace, happiness, well-being. and receive the well-wishing from your neighbor to your right. And then just calling to mind someone who you really love. Doesn't have to be a person, could be a lake, a mountain, your favorite dog in your life from when you were a kid or a cat. But it could be an elder, a child, a teacher, 
dear friend, with the easiest, just choose the easiest person or being that you can. And just see what happens when you call them to mind. Notice how your heart feels, your body. You might have a feeling of loving-kindness for this person. And just notice what the quality of that is. You might have the person sit in front of you You can silently say to yourself, may you be safe and protected. May you be happy and peaceful. May you be strong and healthy. May you take care of yourself happily. And then shift to yourself. Just you can keep the person or being there in front of you so that you can go back to that feeling essence of this person. If you forget what the feeling of loving kindness feels like and just see if you can feel that for yourself. And for now, just see what happens if you trust that the loving-kindness is there. You might say the word love, loving-kindness, or metta. And see what happens when you wish yourself well, quietly. And really see if you can receive the loving-kindness.
It's like you're relaxing the whole body, mind, heart into this feeling of metta. And if your attention wanders or you feel disconnected, you can just put your hand on your heart center. Just find your heart again. So you really connect with yourself. You really deeply want to care about yourself. Notice when you don't try to make anything happen. And you might start to let a phrase or phrases emerge out of the wordlessness. May I be happy just as I am. May I be peaceful with whatever's happening in my life. May I love myself completely. Just like with the flashlight image, if your attention starts to get scattered, just bring the feeling essence of your being back into focus. Surface of your body sensations, receiving the felt sense, your body, 
your whole body. May I be safe and protected. May I be happy and peaceful. May I be strong and healthy. May I experience ease of well-being while living on this earth. So have a great night's sleep, sweet dreams, and we'll continue in the morning. Um, for tomorrow morning, the more the sitting before breakfast.